0: It's always suffering in any war, and that is truth. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemberg. I'm Jeff. And thank you for joining us on Bible Discovery TV, the name of this program. We're going to be talking about Psalm 120. We're going to be talking about war and having a discussion about that in about five minutes' time. It is good to consider what's going on. Corey?
1: I'm going to be taking a look at vineyards and wine, specifically in the context of ancient Israel. Ryan?
2: Well, today, as the psalmist often does, I want to praise and acknowledge God as the creator by looking to his amazing creation. And in this episode, we're going to look at how a water lily and a tiny little beetle work
0: together. A water lily and a tiny beetle? That's right. (laughs) Wow. Okay, very good. Corey and Ryan, they're coming up in about 20 minutes time. Janice in 25. Janice?
3: Today, crying out.
0: All right, get your Bible guide turned to the passage. Let's look at it and study it from Psalm 120.
3: Psalm 120. In my distress, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, or what shall be done to you, you false tongue? Sharp arrows of the warrior, with coals of the broom tree. Woe is me that I dwell in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. My soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Psalm 120.
0: Psalm 120, 121, 2, 3, and 4. These are great chapters. Let me tell you, they're short, but they're awesome. Now, let me tell you, war is horrible. People die from war. It's terrible. We're in the midst of several places in the world now. When sin comes to the front of society, And men have ignored God. We have war. That's what the Bible tells us. The Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth to keep their personal desires in check. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, Paul says, quote, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. That there Be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Paul was talking about how the church should learn to live together. Has it? When people do not do or when people do not do that, we end up in times of war and human destruction. Psalm 120 is a song written for us to pray during times when war breaks out because of sin and its free run. Selfishness is the way sin penetrates our soul. But believers in Jesus Christ who have given their lives to follow the Lord, I urge you to stay away from sin and turn towards God. And we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Only He can help us and only Jesus Christ can help anyone who wants to turn their life around. You know somebody said to me once people don't change. And I say, well, they specifically themselves don't change, but when they come to God, the spiritual entity who created everything, the Holy Spirit comes in and they do change. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ esteem, not self esteem. That's in the book of James. And as we read the scripture today, we need to pay attention to that. Now, my suggestion would be take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage, Peace and War, because this is important for us to look at from Psalm 120, verses 1 through 7 today. If you don't have a Bible guide, my suggestion would be write to us or call us directly, or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go to BibleDiscoveryTV, Click on the web page, which has the picture of the Bible guide on it. And when you do that, it takes you to a donut page. And and let me say thank you for the donations. We really appreciate them and they have kept us alive. So thank you so much for giving. We appreciate that. And then it takes you to a page that's just like we printed it. So you download it, just like we printed it, it's awesome. It's yours. So that's great. And as we focus on peace and war, let's pray. Father, help us today. As we open up your word and we look at your Bible, teach us your way and show us your path. Help us to know the truth about your scripture. Help us to know the truth about what you've said. Because Lord, today we need it. If ever there was a time we need it, like Psalm 107 says, we need it now. You set your word and delivered them and healed them from their destruction. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen. Now, let's look at this because Psalm 120, verse uh, 1 to 2 is very interesting. It says, in my distress, I cried to the Lord and he heard me. God listened. The creator of everything listened. Yes, he does. Verse 2. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. Truth is the first thing the enemy wants to diminish. We should stand for truth at all costs. And that is not an easy thing to do. Truth is the first casualty in any war situation. We don't know who's telling the truth. And we've got all kinds of journalists going everywhere. They're telling the truth from that location, the truth from this location. But people have to process the truth. The truth doesn't just come. It's not that easy. We have to take the information and begin to process the truth. And God helps us to do that. If we trust in the Lord, he helps us to do that. It's not a quick fix. God helps us to understand the truth. That's very important. So let's keep that in mind because yeah, God keep us away from foolishness and help us to see the truth. Lord. Now, Psalm 120 verse three and four say, what shall be given to you or what shall be done to you? for false tongues, for you false tongue, sharp arrows of the warrior with coals of the broom tree. He's talking about deception. Deception is deadly weapon that causes much destruction. We should work to keep our lives selfless and not selfish. You see, when we come to God and we say, Lord, I need you to take my life. And we're desperate at that moment. God helps us. But when we get better, we become arrogant. We should never become arrogant. We should recognize that we are sinners saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We are sinners saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We're not proud people who do wonderful things. The things we do that, if there's anything good in me, it comes from God anything. There is no human excuse for me. God is my refuge and my strength. He is my power. He is the one who makes me to do good things. It's all God. Bottom line, it's all God. Keep that in mind. We need to pay attention to that today. All right, let's go on. Psalm 120, verses 5 to 7. Here's what it says. Woe is me that I dwell in Meshach, that i dwell among the tents of kidar my soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace with one who hates peace i am for peace but when i speak they are for war you know it's interesting because words are easy to manipulate in times of conflict Sometimes saying nothing is the best way to stop lies. We don't have to fix every lie. It's up to God. We we have to do what God says because there are times when people lie and you're like, you can't fix it. There was one conflict we had back in 91 and there was a particular person who was constantly telling, well, you know, this government, the US government, they're falling apart, they're dying. And behind him, the U.S. government, the, the U.S. forces are taking people behind him and lining them up. And he's talking about how great, you know, some of the people in Iraq are doing. And you're like, what's going on? He's lying. You don't have to fix the lies. You just have to do what God tells you to do. Now, that was a different situation. But we need to understand that we don't need to fix every lie, but we need to maintain ourselves in a commitment to following and processing for the truth. We need to make sure that God helps us to understand the truth. Let me tell you the truth. I'm a sinner. I'm a bad sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior, saved my life. I was headed for hell. He saved my life. Because I believe he died on the cross, I killed him. But death couldn't stop him. He rose from the dead and he didn't come back and get me. He came back and rescued me. Rescue, redeemed, rescue. God is in the rescuing business. That's the truth. God is a rescuer. There will come a time for vengeance, but God is a rescuer right now. Come to Jesus Christ, know him and be rescued by him. A lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy. You buy this hairspray and you're gonna be happy. You smell like this flower, you're gonna be happy. You take this drug, you're gonna be happy. You buy this car, you're gonna be happy. See, it all tells me I'm gonna be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living.
1: So today we are going to be taking a look at ancient vineyards uh, in in ancient Israel. So how were vineyards constructed? The Bible, you know, it uses a lot of um, imagery that that connects with vineyards, that connects with grapes and wine, and even the prophet Isaiah actually describes in his book. He describes the creation of a vineyard. So take a look at this. The importance of vineyards and their produce to ancient Israel is obvious. In the Bible, wine was widely used in the religious offerings of the law, vineyards were a common analogy used by the prophets of God, and a grapevine and cluster were brought back to the Israelites as evidence of the fruitfulness of the land before the conquest. Overall, grape production was a large part of the agriculture and society of ancient Israel. Generally, grapevines were cultivated on their own, apart from other fruits and vegetables. There were, however, private orchards and royal gardens that grew grapevines with other fruit trees. These pleasure gardens were generally located close to a home or within a royal city for immediate access to fresh fruit and a beautiful space to relax. The bulk of grapes and their products were cultivated alone in vineyards. Depending on terrain, vineyards could be right next to cities or quite far away from settlements. They could be irrigated or depend solely on rainfall. They could be walled or left unprotected. The prophet Isaiah famously described the founding of a vineyard. His process includes preparing the ground, likely by uprooting plants, bushes, and trees, and clearing stones, then planting the chosen vines, building a wall or fence, probably with the stones removed from the vineyard. Watchtowers were added for extra security, and a wine press was cut out of bedrock to process grapes into wine. Due to growing conditions, separately owned vineyards with their own walls could exist close together, which would create narrow pathways for travelers, just like what's described in the Balaam incident and possibly even the lion attack against Samson. Inside the vineyards, grapevines could be allowed to grow on the ground, or to make for easier harvesting and upkeep, the vines would be trained up poles and trellises. When harvest time came, it was cause for great celebration, especially the first usable harvest, which wouldn't have occurred until the fifth year of production for law-following Israelites. The crop of the first three years was to be left, and the fourth year's crop was given to God. Harvest time meant fresh grapes, wine, raisins, vinegar, and a type of grape syrup. It meant singing songs of joy, giving offerings of thanks, and pruning the empty vines for next year's growing season. Vineyards, grapes, and wine were seen as integral to the blessings of God on Israel. If Israel were to reject the covenant they had with God, the loss of their vineyards and their inability to harvest them would be one of the consequences. On the flip side, vineyards were a vital blessing of God to be joyfully celebrated by his covenant people. This is reflected clearly in the rules for warfare. If a man had planted a vineyard and had not yet harvested from it, remember that it could not be harvested until the fifth year, then he was exempt from going to war. The fruit of the vineyard was a blessing from God to be enjoyed." I hope that having a little bit of an understanding of how ancient vineyards worked in Israel sets you up for success when it comes to understanding some of the imagery that goes along with the vine and vineyards in uh, the Bible. We see it all throughout the Psalms and we're going to see it in the prophets as well. It's one of the more favored images uh, in, in uh, the prophets of the Bible as, you know, we're about to jump into them. So. I hope this helps.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it really is interesting when you look at some of the technology they used uh, inside of plants and all of that. It's fascinating.
1: Yeah, I, I mean... Um, how necessary for survival, right? In the yeah. ancient world and um, things like that, because they were so universally known and and needed and appreciated, it makes sense then that the biblical authors use things like that to help communicate truth because it was common knowledge and it was knowledge that was held dear. It was yeah. almost sacred knowledge, right, for survival.
0: Yeah, I like think that. so, and, and that's fascinating because when you, today, you know, you just lean on the technology from yeah. previous generations or whatever. Mm-hmm but uh, they, they were leaning on the technology that was available to them, brought through nature, brought mm-hmm. through God has brought it through nature. That's very interesting. Okay, Ryan.
2: Yeah. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the program today, I'm doing what the psalmist often likes to do, which is to praise and acknowledge God as the creator of the heavens, the earth, and all life within it. And today to showcase one of God's brilliant designs, We're gonna turn our attention to the giant Amazonian water lily and a tiny two centimeter long scarab beetle and see how they work together to survive. Truly, this is one of the most fascinating displays of symbiosis in the world. Check it out. The Amazonian water lily from the jungles of Brazil, called Victoria Amazonica, begins its life in the thick, muddy bottom of the Amazon River. Yet its need for sunlight and oxygen forces it to the surface of the river. Amazingly, its stem can grow to a length of up to 35 feet. Once on the surface, they cease their upward growth and begin to grow round buds with thorns. The buds of the lilies grow into massive leaves on the water's surface, reaching a diameter of up to 6 feet in as little as a few hours. The water lilies then curl the brims of their huge leaves upward to prevent them from sinking below the water's surface. Impressively, these massive floating giants have the second largest single leaf of any plant in the world and can support a weight of up to 130 pounds, or 60 kilos. As a matter of fact they serve as a perfect lounging option for animals or a platform for birds on the hunt for fish most incredible though is how these plants reproduce each plant has only one lily flower and on the very first night of the flower's short 48-hour life its internal temperature rises up to 10 degrees warmer than the surrounding air which prompts the flower to open well at first this flower begins as a white colored female unable to produce pollen it does produce a strong, sweet pineapple-like aroma, which attracts a tiny scarab beetle that is only two centimeters long. The beetle then climbs into the heart of the flower, carrying dustings of pollen picked up from the pinkish-colored male lily flowers. Then, as dawn approaches, the flower's temperature drops and it closes, trapping the beetle inside. But this is beneficial for the scarab since it is now protected from predators and gets to feed on the starchy nectar all day long. During this time, the pollen from the beetle drops off into the flower and allows it to reproduce. The flower also changes from a white colored female to a pink colored male, now able to produce its own pollen. As night falls once again, the flower reopens and the beetle escapes with the pollen from the new male flower and searches for other white female water lilies. After this pollination, the male flower dies back to a seed and sinks to the bottom of the river, where it will repeat this entire cycle the following year. The absolute brilliance of this cycle, as well as the symbiotic relationship between the plant and the beetle, showcases the stunning innovation of the Creator. So I absolutely love the innovation of God here. I mean, what a testimony to his brilliance. It's so clear that he took great care in making all things. And what an honor it is that he's made us stewards over this creation. And let's not take that responsibility lightly or abuse that power. But instead, let's take great care of that which is under us.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Ryan, because uh, as, as Christians, we understand that God created the earth, not Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we take care of the earth, we, we care for it. Uh, it reflects our nature it reflects what we feel about God. Yeah, and, exactly. And that's exactly what God meant us to do in the first place when he made Adam and Eve.
2: Yeah. I mean huh? we're the pinnacle of his creation, but he has he wants us to take care of that mm-hmm. which he's created, right? I yeah. mean it's it's clear.
0: Absolutely. And that's really, really important. So we need to remember that. Corey, 16th. Yes,
1: yes we're doing a live event here in the studio on Friday, June 16th at in the afternoon, Eastern time. So whatever that is in your time zone, wherever you are. Uh, yeah, it's going to be the cast uh, along with me and my husband. We're going to be, uh, discussing Bible questions from Psalm and Proverbs, but then we're going to be opening up to you who are there in the live chat. Uh, and we're going to be answering your questions and interacting with your comments on the fly as well. So, uh, once again, Friday, June 16th, 3.30 Eastern Time, and it will be on my YouTube channel, which is my name, Corey Babetchko.
0: Very good. Look forward to that. Have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. Matt Locke will be there. Yeah.
1: I mm-hmm. think it'll be good.
3: We're with all of us. Challenged.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, Janice.
3: People have good questions. They, they do. do. They really, they really, really do. do. And we don't have all the answers, but yeah. we'll try. Yeah. It's we'll fun. Try. That's right. All right, so today I called this crying out or the cry for salvation. I'm looking at Psalm 120 and taking it very personally Um, because anybody who has been redeemed by God has experienced crying out to God and we have experienced his response. And it starts, the Psalmist says, "'In my distress, I cried to the Lord and he heard me. "'Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips.'" And from a deceitful tongue. And none of us should ever practice having a deceitful tongue or lying, but all of us do, don't we? And especially before we come to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, in which when we do that, he fills us up with himself. And we have to push those things away. We have to turn away from those things. We are not to lie. And so I look at this and I say, thank you, God, because you have heard me and you have delivered me from my sins. And only the Lord Jesus Christ can do that. And it says a little bit farther down, my soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace. You know, there is a fallen angel He's the enemy of our soul, and he has a title, Father of Lies, because he is not truth. He is lies, and he comes to steal, to rob and destroy us, and he hates peace, but there is one who is God, and he is the Prince of Peace, and when you call on Him to come into your life, when you call on Him, and it could be in distress, when you recognize what God has done through His Son, Jesus Christ, who came to willingly give Himself on a cross, to pay the penalty for our sin. And I might be saying this and you're not understanding what I'm saying, but somewhere in your heart, it's striking a chord. That's God. That's God. He gave himself on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins, to give us forgiveness from those sins, not so that we can just go on living like we're living, but that we can take our lives and give our lives to him and follow after him. That's why we're here with this program called Bible Discovery. We want to take this word of God, which we believe is the authority of God's word. We believe that this is his word to us. We want to read it every day. We want to get it in our minds, but more importantly, get it into our hearts so that we can live according to the way God has called us to live. And that's to turn away from lying lips. That's to turn away from a lot of things. And we can't do it on our own. We need the help of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we call on him with an honest heart, he will always respond. When we call on God, with an honest heart. When we come to him in honesty, he will always, he will always respond to us.
0: I think it's important to do that. If you want to call on God right now, you can do that. Because this is the time of salvation. And simply say this, say, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to change my heart. I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I just need God. I need you to make something out of this mess of my life. I'm a sinner too. Rod Hembry, I'm a sinner. But God came into my life and he'll come into yours and say, Jesus, come into my life. I need you. I believe you died on the cross and rose again. You're God. And help me, Lord. I reach out to you today. You're as close as the mention of your name, Jesus Christ. Help us today, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen. thanks for watching today you know it's great to have you with us and let me just say that i really enjoy uh, your company and what i would say is that bd family and friends is a channel that we have now a new channel and it's very exciting because all the programs we do here are put on that channel in a special way and the more programs we do we're going to put them on that channel so if you want to see what we're doing Besides this program, then take a look at BD Family and Friends on the internet at BibleDiscoveryTV.com or on the Roku channel. Uh, It's BD Family and Friends is the application, BD Family and Friends. Today, let's pray, Lord, I desire to live what I believe, and I believe that you can help me to do that in Jesus' name.